Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They called me Ben. We're joined as always with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here. That makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It is, uh, it, you know, we're getting into January as you hear this on Monday, 2024. <laughs> Still nuts to say. And there is so much strange news in the world as we record we're going to explore all sorts of bizarre things we're going to mention a lot of stories on the way but uh tonight folks we're going to talk about some secrets in space uh we're going to talk about airbnb the value proposition being what if you went to a hotel but you also had to clean it (laughs) or at the very least pay to clean it (laughs) and before we do any of that we're going to intro our our first story for this segment with a lovely little piece of music. Are you guys ready? I'm quite excited. I'm so ready. Matt, you feeling good on this one? I don't know yet. <laughs> there we go. Here we are. I'm going to stop it there. Okay. <laughs> so we can still play it safe. I think we can all guess the beginning just from that that slight snatch of music. I mean, it made me pump my arms furiously, like a little, <laughs> card, like a little cartoon guy, you know, <laughs> pretending to be steering a steamboat. You're right. It is of Montreal. <laughs> yes, <sir>. Oh, <laughs> I was genuinely attempting to uh, ascertain what I was hearing. Like, what were those instruments? If you guys had to say, what were they? They're uh, called the, the Tootie Pipes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Tootie Pipes? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the the Willophones. Uh-huh. Are you guys saying actual words or are you no. messing with me? They no, were freestyling no. a little. <laughs> so, uh, I would say some sort I'm of never pipe organ. I mean, you know, this is what, what are we talking about? The, 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 the 20s? Like, so that is a yeah. uh, that is the intro music for a short film that changed the world, Steamboat Willie, which premiered in 1928. It features non-speaking versions of two very popular anthropomorphic rodents, Mickey and Minnie Mouse. Uh, there's a ton of stuff to be said about Steamboat Willie, about the way it was inspired by previous works like the jazz singer and so on. But what we need to know for now is that according to some of the boffins at, uh, at Duke University, January 1st was celebrated as public domain day. We joke about Disney pretty often on this show, all in good fun, if the lawyers are listening. <laughs> but but 
despite decades of efforts to control this depiction of this cartoon mouse, Steamboat Willie officially has entered public domain. And that's one of the big stories going around in the West. There's a lot of noise and misinformation going around about it. So we thought, what better way to kick off this evening than to talk about this idea? Mickey Mouse is officially free, or is he? Can I get a dun-dun-dun-dun? Perfect. Thank you. Oh, yeah, that, that might even be copy copyrighted. No, that, that, I don't know. That might have been in the public domain. That sounds like something that would have been like premiered to the uh, visual of a, of a young maiden tied to some train tracks. But uh, Matt, really quickly to answer your question, probably if it's the twenties, that sound very much air moving through pipes. So probably a calliope, one of those cranky circus type instruments. You know, that ah. sort of like a mechanical flutes, but. Wow. Yeah, Ben. So I've heard some of the scuttlebutt that I've heard is that, like, first of all, it is this version of Mickey Mouse visually and Minnie Mouse. But somehow they've managed to stay uh, grasping on at least intellectual property wise to the gloves. What's up with that? They're wearing gloves in this short. So let me let me go back to the beginning where we're going here. The uh, Steamboat Willie, you're right, is a early depiction of Mickey Mouse. It is not the same thing. And one thing a lot of people are getting mixed up with here is the difference between what is called a trademark and what is called a copyright. A copyright expires, a trademark does not. Also, this only applies to United States law. <laughs> Under current US law, anything that was released between 1924 and 1978 is copyrighted for 95 years. This doesn't just include things like Steamboat Willie. It includes things like uh, novels like D.H. Lawrence's Lady Chatterley's Lover, uh, or films like Charlie Chaplin's The Circus, but far and away, the Michael Jordan of all this previously non-public domain stuff is our boy Steamboat Willie. <laughs> and you can see it now wherever you like to watch stuff, probably YouTube. Check out our episode on YouTube. <laughs> this this cartoon's pretty short. It it shows Mickey Mouse on a steamboat and he's whistling and he's getting into hijinks with the captain of the boat who is a cat named Pete. Wait, then Pete the cat is also because it yeah. wasn't Pete the Cat used a lot Definitely. after this. Yeah, mm -hmm. in various iterations. But I mean yeah, mm -hmm. he was certainly this is like a proto version of that kind of bully cat character sort of like the bluto to uh to popeye wow okay sorry i didn't mean to interrupt. Was also oh, entering the public domain soon by the way popeye that's coming up real soon but please sorry and there there are a ton of misconceptions about what just happened first off steamboat willie was not the first cartoon to use synchronized sound if you're if you're looking at the history of invention here but a lot of people including your faithful correspondents fellow conspiracy realists have wondered why disney was able to bend the rules of copyright law for so long uh, it happened a couple of times to be honest with you uh one of the more recent ones was in 1998 when disney extended copyright law from 75 years to 95 years of exclusivity in what is now known as the Mickey Mouse Protection Act. And it's not known, it, that's the street name, and it's not a compliment. <laughs> there, mm -hmm. This also, we should say, includes uh, the animation, what is it, Plane Crazy, P-L-A-N-E. Uh, you can now use all of these depictions without permission from Disney proper, but there are a ton of caveats and you, you have to be careful with those. You can't, you can't, for instance, use the more modern depictions of Mickey Mouse because those are still trademarked. You can't use the Disney logo with the Mouseketeer ears because Disney's rights to those never expire. And there's, there's a lot of stuff going on here that i I think it's fair to say this is some stuff that Disney doesn't want you to know. Definitely the lawyers don't want people to know until they get their fees. And lawyers are about to make a ton of money off of this. Like, here's, here's one question for the group. 
Is Disney not being a tad hypocritical about public domain? Did Disney not make literal billions of dollars off uh, public domain stories such as Cinderella, insert pretty much any Western fairy tale here, what Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, etc.? Like, where do they get off is a question the public is asking. What do you guys think about that? I'll tell you where they get off. The bank. That's where cash all those mouse checks. I don't know. I, to me, it's more uh, it's less about making money and more about protecting their brand because they're such a target, you know, for parody and for outright mockery um, that it's kind of easy for people to take something like this and use it as an excuse to drag the Disney brand through the mud and whether or not it's like the current Mickey Mouse version or not that's available to do that with, I do think they are going to still try to be pretty litigious with this stuff and have been for in the past. There's this guy in Athens, Georgia, who's a screen printer. who used to do these weirdo kind of twisted Mickey Mouse prints and, and put them on T-shirts. And the mouse lawyers found him, this little hipster niche screen printer guy in Athens, Georgia, and sent him multiple cease and desist letters. So, you know, and they were sort of like, it would be like his head would be on his butt and things. I know there's weird things. His eyes would be mixed up in the wrong order or something like that, or parts would be reversed. And yeah, he had to stop doing that for fear of, you know, being sued out of existence. This guy couldn't, couldn't afford to fight the mouse lawyers. There's also, uh, just to interject here, there's also the, uh, the very real observation that the lawyers have to justify their employment. Well, sure. Billable hours are a big deal. So they are incentivized to send C and D's for sure. I want to get back to the the question you posed, Ben. Um, Thank you. Just about using using stuff that has entered the public domain to create new things that are not necessarily an update. Like in the case of Disney, they're updating those old tales, right? Putting their own spin on it and inserting their own characters, which were copyrightable, right? So now it is a Mickey and Donald adventure and not, you know, the original characters that went on whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a, in a way, a money grab to create a marketable, copyrightable thing um, that can then become a film. It can become a TV show. It can become a comic book. It, it's that makes sense to use then their characters that they've created. I don't think it's, I don't think humans are meant to be alive long enough and have institutions that last long enough to where that 95 years is an issue. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. There's also, um, it may sound like we are splitting hairs. That's what people do in these sorts of legal arguments. You don't just split hairs. You talk about small nuances, like the design of an eye, right? Whether or not color is applied. The post-1928 Mickey Mouse is still very much Disney's. The pre-1928 or 1928 and before Mickey Mouse, that is fair game. Uh, Another big exception, another big, big asterisk, which is probably going to trip some people up. One cannot use Steamboat Willie or Minnie, or what's the other guy? Peg Leg Pete, the the captain. That's Uh, the one. One cannot use them in a way that appears to um, imply that Disney has co-signed whatever you're doing. And that part, actually, I hate to sound like the bad cop here, that part is a pretty good argument because copyright, trademark, this kind of stuff, these laws exist for a reason. If you used, for example, a depiction of Mickey Mouse to appear as though it were endorsing evil, evil things, You know, if it was like, hey, the Kick Puppies campaign 2024 or Project 2025 and a big old picture of Mickey Mouse co-signing evil stuff, then Disney would be within their rights to say, hey, don't associate us with your weird puppy kicking endeavors. But what about this like kind of fly by night, like horror video game? 
that is is already you know making the rounds in terms similar of like, to the Winnie the Pooh. Stuff. Yeah, very yeah. similar. I mean, Winnie the Pooh was a film was a really really bad slasher film. It was called like Blood and Honey. There are apparently already no less than two um, early Mickey Mouse depictions that are going to be featured in horror films. And then there was this very clearly slapped together shoot 'em up kind of Resident Evil type video game. I mean, I guess my question is where is the line drawn? Like if you're showing a beloved spokes mouse you know for a company like that murdering teenagers is that that different than having him saying it's okay to kick puppies like at what point is is it satire or entertainment and what point is it actually telling co-signing these kind kind of actions we'll have to let the courts figure it out you're exactly right matt that is where the stuff they don't want you to know naturally leads in this situation i want to shout out a great write-up by jess weatherbed over at the verge uh i also want to shout out for anybody who really wants to get in the weeds uh reason.com by joe lancaster has a great uh is a great article on this which says mickey mouse is now in the public domain dot 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 well sort of (laughs) and this the issues here are myriad. They extend in so many directions, just like a slime mold mapping out the Tokyo railway system. To your uh, earlier question there, artistic merit, parody versus propaganda, horror movies or, you know, one-off flash games, etc. It's not a flash game, but you know what I mean. The indie games, then what we have to look at is the original intent of copyright law. To your previous excellent point, Matt, copyright law was intended to contribute to the public domain. It was intended ultimately to give a creator a window of time to get their bag, essentially, and then for that to enter into the zeitgeist such that it could be used to inspire, to create more works of unique cultural import and The argument goes by kicking the can down the road, not once but twice, by the way, Uh, the, the mouse proper was able to stymie this creativity. And I want to give, again, a big shout out. I don't think I named her earlier. Jennifer Jenkins, who is the director of the Duke Center for the Study of the Public Domain, wrote an excellent article that you can read at uh, web.law.duke.edu right now. Uh, And Jenkins, in this part, doesn't just list off all the stuff that entered the public domain on January 1st, 2024, but also pays special attention to the importance of public domain in the world of creativity. Like, we we talk about it uh, occasionally on this show, you know, what, what makes something an homage, what makes something plagiarism, you know, and that's to your earlier question. That's one of those things like the judge who decided whether or not Ulysses was pornographic. The, the ruling was, well, I know it when I see it. And legally, that doesn't hold water. I, I sort of maybe jumped the gun when I asked earlier about like the gloves. Like what about some of the features of Mickey Mouse as we kind of know, know him today? Uh, I found an article uh, referencing a 2012 Reuters piece um, that cited a poster um, touting Mickey Mouse as the, quote, world's funniest cartoon, which well, I think Mickey Mouse is really cute. I've never really thought of him as being particularly funny, but I guess it was a different time. But that dates back to 1928. And the poster, while the film, you know, then was black and white, the poster's in color. And uh, Mickey is wearing his signature red shorts with the two little dots on the front and yellow gloves, which I know became white, if I'm not mistaken, later down the road. So, do you know if that is lumped in with this or is that also something the courts are going to have to decide? Like, is the color version also up for grabs or is it just the black and white version as featured in Steamboat Willie or do we not quite it know? It is conclusively simply the black and white version as depicted in 1928 and earlier, which again includes more than just Steamboat Willie. It includes Plain Crazy and I believe uh right in fellow conspiracy realist conspiracy iheartradio.com i believe it also includes a third piece that was not distributed or was not widely distributed which i learned about um when i was reading history of the disney dynasty or empire but but then now we're on a rolling yearly 
Disney property, like release of copyright. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, every year now it's like we hit that threshold and now more and more characters are going to be in the public domain. And to the earlier question, the differences which may seem small to the average consumer are huge in the courtroom. Colorization mentioned earlier, uh, the design of eyes like Disney has gotten in front of this because Disney has for quite some time been proactively sort of revitalizing or reimagining Mickey. (laughs) And it's, you could argue the conspiracy here is to further distance the modern Mickey from the Steamboat Willie origin such that they become two distinct legal entities. Well, it's funny too, outside of branding, um, Mickey Mouse hasn't exactly been like a a hot character, you know, for a long time. It hasn't really been featured in any movies, you know, really, or any of the like big tentpole things. Um, he's in a couple of the rides at Disney, but they're even those are sort of throwback kind of like vintage feeling. And if anyone's been to Disney World or land recently, you'll notice that they've really pivoted away from Mickey Mouse as being the kind of spokes creature and now it's this dragon called figment and that was very calculated you know knowing that all of these changes were coming they didn't want to you know have their uh branded kind of spokes character be something that could even remotely be you know lampooned in the public domain and and to my previous thing about the color poster um some sources put it in 1928 but a lot of others put it in 1929 or 1930 so i do think that that might come up but it it does appear that if it was even a year later then what you're talking about ben that the call the color stuff is off the table And there's a lot of stuff on the docket. (laughs) Again, in court, law and order, the mouse, dum-dum. What we're going to see here is somewhat precedented or predicated by the case that uh, we, the public, saw with Wenny the Pooh, uh, which entered the domain in the public domain in 2022. This is overall a win for creativity, we could argue. Uh, This is very much not a David versus Goliath situation. (laughs) If anything, it's one mouse versus another mouse. To be very clear, the later versions of Mickey Mouse that were released after 1928 are still tightly controlled by the Disney Corporation. Uh, With that being said, We can't wait to see what happens next. We're going to keep an eye on this. And we would love your opinion, too. We've got a lot of uh, fellow conspiracy realists who are in the field of art, in the field of creative expression, of music, and of litigation. So let us know directly, folks. We can't wait to hear from you. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsors. We'll be back with more strange news. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. 
In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Man, sorry, I've got mouse on the brain. That's going to be a fun one to follow, especially as we see people test it, right? Testing it with their parodies and memes. The, the explosion of memes has already been a delightful thing to behold. Apparently, though, Ben, just really quickly, uh, the Steamboat Willie is still in the blacklist, I guess, whatever, algorithm for YouTube. Um, cause I, like a YouTube show that I was mm-hmm. watching that covers it said mm-hmm. they tried it or they had read somebody had tried it and they yeah. still got, uh, got knocked for it. So it's, like- I saw a video as well where somebody did the whistle and got a C and D, but those are often automated. 100%. They got to update the, the system or whatever, but yeah, Can't, really quickly before we move yeah. on, um, I was playing this game cuphead with my son and my Ooh, mother yeah. earlier, super hard, very cool looking, was very, literally yeah. earlier today. And she she mentioned, why does that look so familiar when we were fighting one of the bosses in the game? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then she began recalling the 1930s, like early 1930s cartoons that were the inspirations for a lot of this game, the Cuphead's animation Amazing and characters. Stuff. Tune heads from the Inkwell type stuff. Yeah, yeah. And she mm-hmm. matched up like every one. Of, and it was specific like motions that some of the characters were doing. She's like, wait, I, oh, I know so that. Cool. And she was having basically flashbacks from her childhood. And it was very awesome. wiggly motions. Yeah, very that's like, very, that's very know? powerful, yeah. right? The flower. That yeah, the flower uh, that kind of like hides. And it, yep. it does and its hands yells. down in yeah, a very specific yeah, yeah. way. And the, the maniacal toad. carrot, you know, there's Dude, a, the, yeah. I mean, check I'm out St. James Infirmary. Check out all of the early 20s and 30s cartoons before, you know, big censorship stepped in. By well, the yeah, way. there's a like, character named Bimbo that mm-hmm. she was like, hey, it reminds me of Bimbo. Like, oh, my God. Anyway, uh, that, they, this is all way before Airbnb, but I imagine you're allowed to to watch some of these cartoons there. Oh, yeah. One would hope you can. Yeah. I mean, also, we haven't really talked about this, but there is apparently a, uh, uh, a conspiracy afoot that a lot of Airbnbs have cameras um, in them and they're watching you the whole time and potentially mm-hmm. even streaming you in places, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. one would hope not. Uh, but there is, I did find that you'll, you'll appreciate this, Ben. There is a, a hotel. I want to say either in Japan or in, uh, in South Korea where it's like an absurdly low cost per night. If you agree to be streamed the entire time you were there. And the only room that is off limits for streaming is the literal toilet. So there's that. Uh, we're not talking about can that I just today. Say, can I just say, yeah, right. Yeah, that's, right. You're, that toilet is totally yeah, that's streaming. That's premium service. <laughs> that's exactly streamers. right. Yeah. We're not talking about that kind of Airbnb scam, mm-hmm. though I, I don't doubt that that's the case of the benefit. It was you that kind of woke me from my complacency and that, yeah, there probably are cameras. They're either at the very least emotion sensitive to make sure you're not like vandalizing or stealing their stuff. But they could be up to way, way worse uh, shenanigans than that. Um, but today we were talking about one particularly uh, egregious case of Airbnb fraud. 
perpetrated by a gentleman by the name of Shrey Goel, uh, who is being charged uh, for running a uh, Airbnb scam across 100 properties that he owned in the United States, uh, racking up profits of in the neighborhood of 8.5 million dollars. Um, if anyone has seen the uh, frankly incredible um, movie Barbarian that came out, I believe it was last year. Um, really, really cool movie. Uh, the sort of I guess, uh, what's the word? The kind of initiating action, I guess, of the film uh, has to do with an Airbnb that is double booked. Um, one of the main characters shows up at the Airbnb. There's already someone in there. It's in a really rough neighborhood. They come to an agreement and they agree to kind of bunk there together. And you kind of think the inciting incident, that's the word I was looking for. You kind of think this is going to be what the movie's about, but it actually ends up being about something completely different. But it did get me thinking like, I wonder how often this happens, you know? Uh, people are double booked in an Airbnb. Well, apparently, um, that is what uh, Shrey Goel, uh, who is a self-described visionary real estate um, tycoon, I guess, or a visionary in real estate, um, this is exactly what this person was banking on, A, that people would think it was much more common than it actually was, and B, that they wouldn't necessarily report it. Uh, apparently, he's being indicted, by the way. On December 28th, uh, Goel was indicted on um, uh, wire fraud, aggravated identity theft, and criminal forfeiture by a grand jury in uh, the Central District of California um, accused of running this scam since 2018. And the the root of the grift is that he would intentionally double book guests at the, these, you know, more than 100 properties that he operates across the country, um, creating various uh, excuses for why they were double booked, uh, canceling reservations at the last minute, shifting people to other less desirable desirable properties, because as you know, um, a lot of times the last minute you're going to Take whatever you can get. You know, you, you've made arrangements to have a place to stay. Sure. And, uh, much like in in um, in Barbarian, you got nowhere else to go. Maybe there's a convention in town. You, you, chances are you're not going to die on that hill. And you might even not look askance at the situation if it doesn't. If it's only happened to you once, you know, and you, you're not identifying it as a pattern, you know, because I don't know about you guys, but I don't think I've ever rented an Airbnb from the same person more than once except in the case of like a cabin in in the you know mountains where there was a particularly neat one that i bookmarked you know uh i have uh primarily because a known entity is going to be more predictable right sure. better the devil one knows or the landlord one knows and and also shout out to zach Kreger. You know, why does Gino was a fantastic sketch comedy? And Zach Kreger is really, in my opinion, he's the director and writer of Barbarian. He really came into his own here. Uh, He, he, I think he clearly got some, uh, is writing from a place of firsthand experience a bit with, with the idea of Airbnbs. Well, yeah. And he's also another great example of how, comedy and horror are kind of kindred spirits and he's jordan got some peele of that big was, jordan peele right, energy when he said there's the the difference between horror and comedy is the music mm-hmm. yeah. yeah could well yeah I, I don't disagree um so joe goel joel it's g-o-e-l um he would do all kinds of clever little things uh set up separate listings for the same properties at different prices using different photographs um, and then he'd cancel the lower priced uh, booking, um, making some excuse that there was flooding or there was some kind of issue with the electrical or or the plumbing or whatever it might be. And then again, like I said before, would offer uh, to, to switch them to another property. Often, uh, and this is according to a really great article uh, in Vice by Rashawn Abraham, uh, often the properties that he would switch them to would uh, be in various states of disrepair, um, you know, have kind of decaying furniture, like cobwebs, sounds like some real gray gardens type stuff. Um, very interesting. But again, you're kind of over a barrel at that point and you're kind of going to take what you can get. But, you know, if anyone's messed around much with Airbnb, they'll, they'll be places with cute names like Alex and Brittany's honeymoon bungalow mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. things like that the egg and honey home a hundred percent and the idea being is to sell it as like this is a lived in you know home full of love you know and uh, it's it's you're literally staying in somebody's home as we often find if we've if we or you have uh, have done much airbnb being 
is that people will exclusively Airbnb certain properties and fill them up with like, remember those, uh, the model homes in Arrested Development? They are filled with, I think the joke was they were called like home fill or something like that, where it was just like kind of set decorating stuff, like live, laugh, love kind of things yeah, you get, you know. It, Some of them yeah. are like that, man. Some it's of them dangerous are like, though. Like you've never lived in this place, Airbnb yeah, right. super host. Right. It's the stock images, you know, the, the right. landscapes, uh, the ornamental fake fruit and uh, silk yes. plants and so on. There's also uh, fake pine you know, cones. I don't whatever. want Olive Garden to sue us, but the, the sentiment is there. Airbnb's value proposition was something like when you're here, you're family, right? You're at home. Yeah. And the, the issue there is just to sew it up real quick. Like the, the issue is that people are being increasingly um, built, swindled, bamboozled in terms of surveillance, in terms of what is promised versus what is delivered, and in terms of what is expected from them as tenants. And and I know we're going to get to it, but Noel, isn't this the result of a 2019, like, in-depth investigation on this one guy? Precisely. And to your point, Ben, you're absolutely right. Like, I've certainly... Uh, rented an Airbnb that I felt under delivered on the promise of the description and the pictures, but it wasn't like gross and it was a place to, to sleep and I was able to get in. So I wasn't going to make a fuss. It was, there's nothing it was fine. I've, I've literally never had what I would consider like a hellish or like, you know, negative Airbnb experience. And even if I did find a place to be lacking, I would certainly never leave a bad review. I'm just not that kind of person. And I know there are people that are that kind of person. But my point is, I think Joel is coasting on that expectation. The people are now kind of used to somewhat of a lowered expectation concerning these Airbnb experiences, because the value is the fact that you can get one at all and that they're cheaper than a hotel and they're more accessible than a hotel. And in a lot of ways, it's a better experience because you've got your own place to park. You don't have to worry about, I don't know, results may vary, but I I do find that a lot of times, depending on the city and Airbnb is a great alternative to a hotel. And so I'm not going to complain, but you're absolutely right, Ben. There was an in-depth investigation by Ali Conti uh, in 2019 um, that 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 yeah, like <laughs> exposed this. Um, I accidentally uncovered a nationwide scam on Airbnb uh, for the Vice Money section. Um, while searching for the person who grifted me in Chicago, I discovered just how easy it is for users of the short-term rental platform to get exploited. So that's its own uh, piece to definitely dig into, and I highly recommend it. You can find that online as well but yeah it led to exactly this 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 uh, person is in big trouble um and just to give you a little bit more of a background on the the investigative piece ali uh conti had been a victim of this double booking scam at one of this guy's properties in Chicago, uh, got that suspicious last minute cancellation, but then was contacted by the FBI um, eventually after publishing this experience. Hadn't really gotten to the bottom of it per se, but published the article that they identified as the pattern and then we're like, we want to find out more. Mere days after the article was published. Um, so this, yeah, it fit in with a much larger pattern of fraud with Airbnb. Uh, according to another report, uh, Airbnb rising rent and the housing crisis in Los Angeles from 2015 that sort of pointed out some of these problems. They're sort of becoming, uh, I guess, endemic of this system of, of temporary rentals. There's another thing. If we want to be proactive and prepared for this, uh, obviously we're not accusing everybody who runs an Airbnb of doing these sorts of grifts, uh, but there, there are a couple of things you can do to protect yourselves. Treat it like a rental car. Take photos when you get there. That's going to be huge because people have been um, both in the world of rental cars and in the world of hiring houses or rooms. People have been accused of damage that is not their responsibility i would say also the reviews are important but as as we see in this case the reviews can be spoofed by dummy accounts i uh, i'm not i'm not an agent of big hotel uh promise you that but i i do think it is very very important for us to realize that a lot of times people are going to leverage your trust 
or they're going to leverage your expectations that everybody else will be a good faith actor. And that's simply not the case. The real big problem, I would argue, with Airbnbs is that they're absolutely screwing out first-time homebuyers across the United States. No, that's a really important thing to bring up, Ben. I know um, it's not related, but it I feel is, like we though. Need to I mean, it. It, 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 well, especially the pattern, you know, it is related. And it's, it's like a grift within a grift because, as we know, you know, people are maybe more likely to hold on to properties if they have a way of just squeezing every last dime out of them, you know, and uh, this is a good way of doing that. There are some districts that it has been outlawed entirely because it is technically running. It's it's like, uh, what's the word? Subleasing? I think subleasing is technically against the law in some places, you know, mm-hmm. to yeah. ha- you're supposed to have a contract. You're supposed to have, you know, signed documents with the tenant and they're supposed to have certain rights. But by doing this, you're kind of waiving those rights in a lot of ways. You really don't have any rights. All the rights lie with the person that's making the money and that has their finger on all the decisions. And in the interest of full representation, of course, yes, we do want to give some space to Goel, who talked a little bit about this on uh, X, uh, formerly known as Twitter, uh, just a few days ago, right? He He came out and publicly stated something that, sort of referred to this yeah it's kind of funny because when you look at the way it's cited in this vice article um it's really easy to misread his name as goal uh so it looks like it says goal posted to x and there's nothing oh, that this is a, a great example of moving goal posts is is what this whole rental scam kind of airbnb whole inability for regular people to buy a home is it is that american dream goal post just moving around you know, to the point where you'll never be able to, to make a touchdown. Um, anyway, so Goel posted to X on December 30th. This is from the Vice article. Uh, Yesterday was an incredibly tough day for me. While I can't speak publicly about the circumstances, I was heading to my condo feeling sorry for myself. Uh, He then says that after being awake for a relentless 48 hours, he witnessed the aftermath of someone having jumped to their death. He then offers his support to my friends, family, and even the Twitter trolls. If you need someone to talk to, I'm here. Life can be tough, but it often brings unexpected moments of hope and clarity. Well, you know, we... We can talk to him right now. Did you see on his website mm-hmm. that, that shares his name? You can yeah. make an appointment. You can schedule an appointment with, appointment with this guy at any time, and he's open. His calendar I'm is good. open. I think he I'm might good. be tied up uh, with I, FBI <laughs> stuff. Uh, I, I, I think what if if the pattern holds true, then what, what will occur is uh, you will contact him, and then that listing will change, and there will be someone who's named like, Gray Shoal, yes, who, some who, who will, yeah. Gray Shoal, who will talk with you. Uh, but the substance of that tweet was this person's death put my problems into perspective, which yeah. is a super narcissistic way to talk about someone dying. Well, and those those problems, by the way, that he's referencing are like you know, if you go to his tw- his social media profile, he uh, is is pretty open about how how his uh, he's, well, his bio says that he dreamed at a young age of being a pirate, <laughs> searching for treasure, um, and that it implies that his real estate empire took a bit of a dive during the pandemic, but that he was trying to kind of claw his way back into prominence by dipping his toes into AI and by, quote, building a company that aimed to revolutionize memoir sharing. So let's go and uh, exploit people's life rights, too, while we're at it. How about that? Um, anyway, doesn't seem like the best of dudes. Um, don't wish ill on anybody, but I'm glad that this uh, that somebody got to the bottom of this because, you know, like I said, this is the kind of grift you wouldn't hit the same person with twice. If this happened to me once, I wouldn't think anything of it. I, I don't think I would have gone as far as as, as our our, uh, our intrepid vice, you know, investigative reporter and even looked much further into it. I would have just chalked it up as, you know, a, a bad experience nestled within a uh, sea of mediocre experiences. And I would have moved on. But some people don't move on. And that's good. <laughs> we need those people. Um, what do you say we take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then come back with one more piece of strange news? 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we've returned, and we are going to tell a tale of two secret spacecraft. And this is something that we talked about not that long ago in November of 2022. We discussed this thing called the X-37B. Guys, oh, I'm so excited that this is in our world again. We've been following it since really, I think it was its maiden voyage uh, up into space back in 2010, Mm -hmm. April 2010. Sweet sweet little plane, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Obsessed. That's when we were we were making videos for iTunes video back in the day and we've been we've been watching this thing cuz even before that in 1999 it was a project that was announced as a I guess a collab between NASA and Boeing to create a space plane. They called it like an experimental space plane. Yeah, that's what they called it back then. And um then we watched as DARPA the defense advanced research projects agency took it over in like 2004 and we're just like what's going to happen with this thing what's happening now where is it and you know when darpa takes a hold of a project it's so funny because often on their website they'll put a big picture of the project they're working on or a representative picture of that project and it'll give you some information about it like not a ton what would you say guys like a paragraph or a couple bullet points a a, a blurb you know yeah. yeah, and it lets you know that it exists and it's happening, but we will, as the public, will never know what the advancements are at the Advanced Research Projects Agency. 
Yeah, it'll be like a series of bullet points with um, proposed objectives, which mm-hmm. are going to be a rewording of the request for proposals. <laughs> exactly. So that happens in 2004. Then in 2006, the uh, the Air Force gets a hold of this thing, or it looks at the X-37A, and the Air Force decides, hey, we're going to make our own version of this thing, except you know, we're aiming for the stars, and we're going to slap a B on that thing. Uh, which, what did we say uh, the X-37B stands for? Oh, there's so many directions we could go with this, you know? Uh, I, I mean, clearly, the, the lame answer is Boeing, but uh, our collective theories are probably much more interesting, right? Boy, baller. Matt, you said about Chicka Bow Wow. I'm not going to lie. You got you to own it. Own it, Matt. Own about Chicka Bow Wow. I think it just stands for the second iteration. Ah, it's so dull, but it also makes sense. I know, right? Uh, But they developed it 2006, launches for the first time in 2010. The reason why it's very interesting to us still on the show is that it is a secretive, very, very secretive, highly classified autonomous space plane or spacecraft, I guess. And when it first launched in 2010, it was up in the air for 224 days. Then the next time it launched in 2011, it was up there for 468 days. Then the next time, 674 days, then 718 days, then 780 days. And the last time that we talked about it, it had been up in space in low Earth orbit for 908 days without returning to Earth, which is just insane. Uh, That's such a long time to have this autonomous spacecraft just flying around in orbit doing who knows what for classified reasons. And it's in the news again because on December 28th, it went up on its seventh official mission or I guess officially acknowledged mission. And uh, it's going to be up there for an undisclosed number of days. Uh, If you think about like 908 days, that's that's like well over two years. Two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, this time it could be up there for three years. So we won't see it until 2026, 2027. Who knows what it's doing? Who knows what it took with it? Because remember, last time we talked about it, the X-37B has a cargo load, a payload of around the size of a Toyota Tacoma truck, right? So mm-hmm. like the, you think of the bed of a truck. It can carry things up there like small satellites, maybe even smaller versions of itself. How crazy would that be? Um, And it's just going to be doing its thing, and uh, we won't know what's happening. But there are people on the ground who are not part of, you know, Space Force, which is the controlling body of this machine now, or the Air Force or DARPA or any of these. They are just citizens, sometimes scientists, sometimes enthusiasts of the skies. They are tracking these things like tracking the X-37B and tracking the Shenlong, which is China's answer essentially to the X-37B secretive spacecraft, Um, which guys, let me just throw it to you. What have you heard in the news recently about China's version Shenlong? Oh my gosh. It's so bad that another country is doing the same thing as us. Is, oh yeah, I guess that, I guess that is like the gist of a lot of the reporting. I mean, it? that's there. There is some hypocrisy to it. I'm personally enraged. Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, Matt, do you want to do you want to let everybody know what uh, Shenlong translates to in English? Uh yes. If Shenlong was to X-37B and the B stood for badass, which is how it should be, Shenlong literally translates to divine dragon, which is or, just or, like oh, better or god <laughs> dragon. <laughs> Yeah, it could be God Dragon. Yeah, I've, I've always seen Divine for some reason in the reporting I've looked at. But this thing is on its third mission, right? It's gone up three or two times previously. Now it's on its third mission, and it launched on December 14th, uh, just, a, you know, 14 days prior to the X-37B going up there. And get this, the X-37B was supposed to go up in early December, but got delayed due to some technical problems and weather issues. So theoretically... Shenlong was going to be launched almost to match X, like literally to match X-37B's launch, right? Yeah. And isn't, um, I think Shenlong first went public in 07, but I don't, it hadn't launched by them, but that's when the public found out about it. 
that's when the agencies there in China disclosed that they were working on a project, kind of the same way that in 1999, when um, Boeing and NASA said, hey, we've got this secret thing that we're working on. But like it's cool. SCMP, South China Morning Post, I think, probably put I, it I guess up. it never occurred to me, uh, guys, but um, in reference to this article, I saw a link to another article um, from the space uh, desk, I guess, of The Guardian, um, quoting a, a U.S. official saying that we are definitely in a space race with China. Um, and there are apparently plenty of reports indicating that China, uh, well, actually it was a former astronaut in Florida, Senator Bill Nelson, um, who is claiming that China is uh, trying to go after the moon and, and some of its uh, resource-rich areas. So make no mistake, says Nelson, we are in a space race. We yes, just, but so. with regards to these two specific craft, we are not talking about the moon in mm-hmm. any no, no, no. form or I mean, measure, which which is just an important distinction because I think some people often get that you know mixed up, right? We we mm-hmm. are talking about low Earth orbit. Every time the X thirty seven B has gone up into the sky or into space, I guess let's call it really just high up in the atmosphere. Let's call it Bezos space. Yeah, when it's in Bezos space, Bezos. Um, every time it's launched, has been in Bezos space, low Earth orbit. And the Shenlong, same thing, low Earth orbit when it's flying around. Except for this time, the X-37B was launched on a Falcon, is it a 9? Falcon 9 rocket? It's a Falcon Heavy rocket that is a part of Elon Musk's thing. And it went, it can, well, let's put it this way. It can potentially reach geosynchronous orbit, which is higher up, uh, more miles outward than low Earth orbit. And according to official sources, they won't say, yeah, man, X-37B is going way up this time and it's going to test stuff out there. But they'll say things like, I have a quote here from a Guardian article. This is what the Pentagon via the Air Force Rapid Capabilities Office said. Uh, number, mission number seven will involve tests of, quote, new orbital regimes experimenting with future space domain awareness technologies. Dude, mm-hmm. have you guys seen the BlackBerry movie about? Not like, yet. I want to well, see that. There's a really interesting thing that happens in it where, like, you know, BlackBerry was king, and then all of a sudden, iPhone came out, and immediately they had this prototype that they were, you know, pitching to investors, and they just slapped a screen on it as quickly as they freaking could, you know, because so they could say, "See, see, we're doing the thing that they're doing too." That's this reeks of that kind of desperation a little bit, doesn't it? To you, is that uh, kind of yeah. what you're getting at? <laughs> Yeah, a little bit, but also, who knows? There there could be really important, interesting stuff going on in there besides figuring out how to kill satellites more efficiently. which we Or capture. Or capture, right? Just grab them up. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. Just to that same Guardian article, and let's cite it here. The Guardian on December 28th published this... This article with this title, U.S. military's X-37B robot space plane blasts off on secret mission aboard SpaceX rocket. So that's that's there so you can find it. And within that article, there is a quote from the Space Force General B. Chance Saltzman. What does the B stand for, Matt? Badass. It stands for broccoli. I don't know why, but it does. Uh, Heir to the the James Bond fortune. It goes back to what you were saying, Noel. His quote is... Quote, it's no surprise that the Chinese are extremely interested in our space plane. We are extremely interested in theirs. Mm -hmm. These are two of the most watched objects in orbit while they're in orbit. It's probably no coincidence that they're trying to match us in timing and sequence of this. Oh, we're probably. Yeah. What a quinky dink. Uh, There's also, you know, I'm really glad you point this part out, Matt, because to one of the questions you asked earlier that I think you're getting at the the way this has been reported in the in the West, in the global West, in the Anglosphere in particular, it does have traces of xenophobia. Like it is a lot of the news breathlessly reports perceived capabilities of Shed Long as though they are not the same capabilities that X-37B is knowingly working toward. I mean, think about think about the satellite shooting that happened a few years ago. Yeah. I, I don't talk about it as though there's celebrities getting gunned down, but the US shot down a satellite and then China did so for like safety. But they were both sending messages to one another. And the idea of a space race is true. 
but perhaps it is more accurate to call it a Space Olympics. There are many different events going on, right? There are many different medals to be won and races to be run. Oh, sure. And as we said before, these objects are being watched, not just, you know, as that general was stating, you know, the countries are watching them. There are individual human beings who watch them. And in the case of Shenlong, somebody who's been keeping track of it has been noticing that the Shenlong released six, quote, (laughs) mystery objects uh, they, they released them, right? So imagine seeing a UFO and now instead of just one UFO, there's seven UFOs mm-hmm. flying around or lights that you're seeing. That's kind of the experience, except imagine tell like powerful telescopes and or whatever other tracking, you know, radar tracking, whatever they've got. Maybe something with an EMP device that just happens to be on a dumb orbit toward a uh, satellite, another satellite. <laughs> yeah. and it could just pop a fart real quick. You know, uh, maybe, but again, maybe there's technology that's being tested that's similar to the stuff we've been reading about with these wingman AI planes. Remember, mm-hmm. we were just learning about that, where jet fighters would would be able to have a squadron of smaller AI driven planes that they would fly with, and those planes would function as basically eyes in the sky as trackers, and they'd have sensor technology on them basically to give more awareness to that pilot. Maybe there's something like that, but in this case, it's a robotic space plane with other robots. I don't know. Yeah, possibly like in uh, like in Transformers and Decepticons. I think it's a Decepticon, the guy who transforms into a <laughs> into an old school boombox, but he's got a little robot inside of him that transforms into an old school cassette tape and he launches out. It's like, it's possibly six of those. It really depends upon uh, how sophisticated their steering capabilities are. If they have those, is it purely hard science research? You know, the way that the U S sells this to the U S populace. I I don't know. I'm, I'm really glad you brought up our previous episode. What do we call it? Like something like space ghost. The return of X-37B, like we might need to revisit this because something is happening and there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff at stake, I think. Oh, there most certainly is that. Yeah. Space Ghost, we put out in December of 2022 and we talked about it in November, I think, of 2022 in our strange news. So you can find both of those episodes right now if you want to learn more about this stuff. Um, if you want to learn more about Shen Long and these mysterious objects being emitted from it. You can find reporting on it all over the place. I would recommend space.com as your first stop. They put an article out on December 18th, 2023, titled China's space plane apparently deployed six mysterious wingmen in orbit. And the subtitle is some of the objects appear to be transmitting signals. What? <laughs> What's he building in there? Shout out Tom Waits. Um, Matt, if it's okay, I'd also like to mention uh, Popular Mechanics has uh, a... Pr- I do not want you to mention them, Ben, because okay. they won't let me read their stuff unless I pay ah, for it. Stuff popular that you go. This is so damn popular. Popular Mechanics has, a, um, a for now, a great comp contrast uh, called Battle of the Space Planes, How America's X-37B Stacks Up Against China's Shenlong. Oh, that sounds good. I wish I could read it. Too bad. Sorry, popular mechanics. That's about it for right now. Um, there's a ton of reporting on this going out there, but most of it is surface level. The The stuff that you'll find on Shenlong often is not English language. At least the best information that I could find is not English language. So use the uh, the old translators if you can, if you want to really dive deep into this. All right. Um, I guess that concludes this segment and this episode, right? But not the show. No, we can't wait to hear from you folks. Uh, are you taking Disney to court? Are you going to do Law & Order Steamboat style? Uh, what is your strange Airbnb experience? What do you think about Airbnb in general? And what are the U.S. and China doing up there in space? We want to hear from you folks. Actually, 
let me say this because we don't say it often enough. Most importantly, we love hearing new ideas. We love hearing new stories that you think your fellow conspiracy realists should be aware of. We try to be easy to find online while we're working on our own secret spacecraft. That's right. You can find us at the Handle Conspiracy Stuff on X, FKA, Twitter, uh, YouTube, and also uh, Facebook. Uh, you can also find us at the Handle Conspiracy Stuff show on Instagram and TikTok. Hey, do you like to call people? Call us. one stdwytk It's that simple. Put it in your phone. Give us a call. It's three minutes that you've got to leave a voicemail. Please give yourself a cool nickname and let us know if we can use your name and message on the air. If you've got more to send to us, like links, huge stories, what else? Attachments. Why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.